Gospel of Luke chapter 22. The Gospel of Luke chapter 22. Several weeks ago, I told you, felt led of the Lord to look at some of the events leading up to the death of Jesus on the cross. And we have spent some time looking at some of these verses. I want to begin reading with verse 53 and read down to verse 62. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them, but a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. He denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. After a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with them, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what you're saying. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Betrayal and denial. Those two words we want to teach about. Betrayal and denial. If someone were to ask you for a definition of the word sin, How would you define it? There are people who understand that the word has negative connotations, but they're not always able to explain it. Sometimes the best way is simply to tell the story of how it originated. God made a man and a woman, put them in the garden. The two disobeyed the commandment of God, and because of their transgression or their sin against God's directive, Every baby born into this world now is born and shaped in iniquity. It's inescapable. Sin is a reality. It's so pervasive in society that you see it when you watch the news each evening. When was the last time you watched the news and saw good news? It's always a story of some theft, murder, rape, something burning down, disobedient children. We wonder why it is that these things take place, but we forget that sin is the cause, the very root of a lot of these things, and the fruits of sin are manifested in such a way that they're inescapable. When you look into the scripture, you find out that the whole point of the Lord's coming was to deal with root, with sin at its root. Now think of this. Had it not been for sin, your Bible would only be two pages long. But your Bible from Genesis 3 straight out the back of Revelation all the way in chapter 22 is about God working to redeem the very people that he has made. So mankind 
committed treason against the Lord by their sins, but the scripture is about portraying this redemption in which God has tried to effect a particular cure. God had the remedy before we had the problem. But in the fullness of time, Jesus came. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. The scripture shows us that he was born of a woman made under the law to redeem those people who were condemned by the law. So the point of his arrival into this earth is that God became man so that man could become godly. God became one of us so that we would have access to him, reconciliation to him. But the process from his birth to his resurrection included a crucifixion. The greatest death in the history of the world. Never been anyone's death that's been so transforming in history. No one else's death, birth, or life has split time into before Christ and in the year of our Lord. That's what we have. Jesus is now standing here having been apprehended by a mob of people who came with sticks and came in the middle of the night with torches. And as they came to him, Jesus said, you came as though you're looking for a thief, but I'm not a thief. I was with you every day in the temple. Did I ever attack you? Did you ever try to arrest me? But he said, this is your hour and this is the power of darkness. If you ever wanted to know what darkness looks like, what the demonic Looks like, read the story of the apprehension of the Lord Jesus Christ straight on through to his crucifixion. They took an innocent man. They took a righteous man. Mistreated him. It was wicked. But yet Jesus was able to say to them that this is the power of darkness. These men are angry at Christ, God in the flesh, because he doesn't represent their conception of what God should be. And that's how many people are. When they think of God, they have in their minds this, 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 this image of what God should be like. And then they go into a church and they hear the word preached or they read the scripture and they come face to face with what God is really like through page after page of recorded history. And then they realize, I don't even know God. These men had lived in the synagogue, lived in the temple. God was in the bodily form, walking amongst the children of Israel for, for decades, and yet these people didn't even know who God was. And when Jesus started healing the sick and casting out devils and multiplying loaves of bread and fishes and walking on water and helping them find tax money in the gills of a fish, they got angry and they tried to kill him because they didn't understand God. And I'm telling you today, that the same spirit that animated them to attack Christ is the same spirit that animates people around the world to attack Christians today. Why do you think people don't like Christ? It's not you they don't like. They just don't like the fact that Jesus lives in you, and especially if Jesus lives through you. Why do people overseas take Christians and crucify them and behead them over in what today is Iraq? That anti Christ spirit. Why are there so many trials for Christians here in America? Why did Canada recently pass a law that says if you run a Christian school, you are not permitted to read any scriptures that people may find offensive? It's an anti-Christian spirit that permeates 
the world. Jesus said, this is your hour. This is the power of darkness. Well, they took him to the high priest's home. And of course, the high priest was the most powerful religious figure in the nation. I have no doubt he was wealthy. And from what I've seen in my trips to Israel and some of the excavations, he had a very elaborate and ornate home. No doubt he was wealthy. And when you walk into a place like that, you would easily be intimidated by going into that particular kind of a setting. And you, you, you would understand that. You go into somebody's house, you just don't take over. You have to respect them. They are people of authority because a person's house, that's their castle. When I come to visit you, I know when I come into your house, onto your property, I'm under authority. I'm submitted to you. I've never gone into anybody's house and, and tried to take over and said, look, I'm a pastor. You will do this or that. I've never in my life done that. Even if I've seen or heard things I don't agree with, heard language that I don't like. I don't go into anybody's house and try to take over because I recognize that in that particular space, that is where a man and a woman are in charge. And If I don't like it, I can just leave. But what about when you're in somebody's house and you can't leave? That's what we have here. Jesus has been arrested. He's in the presence of these religious figures. But Jesus doesn't rise up in revolt. He doesn't call for legions of angels to come and deliver him. He simply stays there and he doesn't talk back. He doesn't mutiny. He doesn't rebel. He submits to it all because he has to bear your sin in mind. Now he's a much better man than I ever can be, and I know that even in my own house, with my parents growing up, I had my moments. One time, only once, did I stand up to my dad and talk back to him. You know, when you, in my home in Cleveland, Ohio, when you come in off the driveway, you step through the side door, you can either go up the stairs to the left into the kitchen, or you can go down the, <clears throat> down the stairs into the basement. My dad was a big man. 6'2", 6'3", 240, 250 pounds. Had three boys he's raising there in the inner city of Cleveland, Ohio. So he either ran the house or we would have run him out of there. So he ran the house. Well, one day, he was getting on me about doing some chores or something like that. And I was about 14 years of age. And I, I, I had a little mouth on me back then. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice mellow guy now. But about 14 years of age, had a mouth on me. He said something. And I was coming down, walking in front of him. And I kind of stood up and I said something like, you know, if you, if you don't like it, I'll move out and go move in with so-and-so. And then before I finish the sentence... There was a whop, and I went down the stairs, and you would have thought Dad would have ran as fast as he could and said, Son, honey, are you okay? Is everything all right? I'm so sorry. He didn't do that at all. He came and stood over me and said, You ever talk back to me again? I'll bury you in that backyard. And he marched back up those stairs, and I did what he told me to do. Well, we weren't a Christian family. Dad didn't know anything about being Christian. He just knew he had to be a man around that house, you know. But you wonder why it is that Jesus didn't stand up for himself in the high priest's home. It's because he knew that his mission was greater and bigger than himself. And he was not selfish. He was not easily antagonized. 
Scripture says in verse 63 and 64, they blindfolded him and they mocked him and they smote him. Why did they blindfold him? Well, they knew if you, if you put a blindfold over somebody, that will induce fear. And that will preserve anonymity. When somebody is coming by hitting you, they can't determine exactly who it is. So they begin to punch him. They said, prophesy and tell us who it is that's hitting you. He didn't say anything. But there was a gentleman by the name of Peter. While Jesus was being tried, he was also being denied. Scripture says in verse Number 55, that some people kindled a fire in the midst of the hall. Look at the last sentence of verse 54. Here is a brief sermon in five words. The last sentence of verse, verse 54. And Peter followed afar off. Five words. Here's a man that had walked on water like Jesus did. He was a man that was given power to heal the sick, to cast out devils. He was the man that acknowledged that Jesus is Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, who was the sword bearer, who was, took off a man's ear trying to protect Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He had been this close to the Lord, thick with God. They were like peanut butter and jelly. Couldn't go anywhere without him. But now, Jesus is being mocked. Peter following from a distance. Why is there such a distance? Because Peter doesn't want to be in that house. He doesn't want to be mocked and maltreated also. How closely do you walk with God? Are you the kind of person who walks with God as long as everything's okay? But as soon as there's a difficulty and people start persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ and suddenly you distance yourself and you want to act like you don't even know who the Lord is simply because of the difficulties that your life might actually uh, incur? This man, Peter, Scripture says, he sat down among them. Look at verse 55. Five more words. Peter sat down among them. Who are they? What, what them? Who, who, who are these people? These were the people who also were allies with the captains and the elders and the priests. How do you know that? Because they began to accuse Peter. They wanted to let Peter know, we know that you're with that group that's in there now. That was close to that man, Jesus. Now, here's the thing. If you are going to sit down in the midst of people that don't believe in the Lord, you have to be willing to deal with everything that comes with being part of that group. Don't deny him. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't act like you don't know who he is. Don't change your colors just because you change the groups of people that you're hanging with. They built a fire and he came and sat down at their fire. If you're going to sit down with people that don't know God, you got to deal with everything people don't know God do and say. You do. You say, what, what could Peter have done? Peter could have went somewhere and built his own fire. He didn't. But you're going to be in the world. You still have to make sure that you're not of the world. And this was the thing. Can you imagine Peter sitting there amongst all of these people and, and folks are starting to look at him? Have you, ever, have you ever been the new person in a new grade at a new school and you walk into the classroom and sit down and all eyes are on you? Yeah. It's not always a comfortable 
feeling. You ever started a new job? And when you come in on the new job, first day, everybody's just standing off in the distance looking at you. I want to she better not use my copy machine. They're paying attention. And if, if you've never had that uncomfortable feeling, come with Tiffany and me. When we go to some public engagements and then, and then when we walk in, I've had this happen I don't know how many times. We'll be in some little small town and we'll walk into whether it's a bar and grill or something like that. And as soon as you open the doors and come in, everybody stops talking and just looks right at you. And then it's quiet until you slowly make your way to the table and sit down. Peter was here sitting amongst the people, but it was a choice. He chose to do that. When I chose years ago to come and minister in Nebraska, in particular here in Red Cloud, and going up to Friend, I knew that in sitting amongst you folks, that I had to get used to whatever it was that Nebraskans did. But you say, what's the, what's the cure for all of that? Build your own fire. Create your own network of friends and relationships. Peter was sitting here, and then a lady looked at him and said, I think you're one of them, aren't you? He said, oh, no, absolutely not. Can you imagine? After everything Jesus did, taking him from being a fisherman on the lake, causing him to become a fisher of men. And then he sits there and denies that he knows the Lord. And then somebody waits a while and and they're looking at him in a distance. They say, no, no, you you are one of them. I, I know for sure that I saw you with him. I'm telling you, I don't even know him. You don't even know him. Oh, my God. An hour later, look how long he was there. He didn't leave after the first denial. He didn't leave after the second denial. He didn't even leave after the third denial. He said, I swear to you, I don't know who this man is. Why are you getting all irate about it then? But the scripture says when he made that statement that suddenly there was a rooster that wanted to get his attention. Think about that. He remembered the word of the Lord, how the Lord said, you deny me. Now, the, the conversation went like this. Jesus said, Peter, you know, the disciples are going to be divided and you folks are going to leave me. And, you know, it's going to be trouble and it's not going to be easy for you. Smite the shepherd, the sheep going to be scattered. Peter looked around at all them disciples. He said, I'm telling you, I don't care if every one of these scallywags leave you. I'm going to be here, Jesus. Nobody is going to take my place. Nobody is going to separate you from me. And Jesus said, there's a, there's a rooster that's going to crow. and You'll know that you're wrong. Oh, whatever, whatever. But here it is. And then you can see in verse 61 where the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. You ever did anything that when you looked up into somebody's eyes, it broke your heart? You have been found guilty of something that you didn't want anybody to know that you had been involved with. And then suddenly you realize your hand's been caught in the cookie jar. And then you've got to look into the eyes of the person you've grieved. Bad relationship. Some kind of addiction. Something you said that hurt somebody. And looking them in the eyes. Toughest thing, hardest thing, most difficult thing you've ever done 
in your life. I don't know how this thing was positioned, but I do know wherever Peter was at, out here with all of these people, when he denied the Lord and Jesus was in there, somehow or another, they got that blindfold off of him. Those folks were in there smiting him and treating him pretty bad. And Peter locked in on Jesus, who already had locked in on him. Peter began to cry. When the scripture says he wept bitterly, I know what that means. That means that body was shaking and convulsing. He couldn't stop crying. It's like what Job and the psalmist says when they state, I've cried so much that my tears have become my meat. You ever cried so hard you couldn't cry anymore? You ever cried so much that your tears were rolling down into your mouth? You ever cried so much that you were just shaking because you were sad? This is what this gentleman is going through. He has betrayed the Lord. He's denied the Lord. But have you ever done that? You say, oh, Pastor, I, I wouldn't do such a thing. But you betray and you deny the Lord every time you're with people that you don't want to know that you're a Christian. People began to say every kind of ungodly thing they can think of, every blasphemous thing they can think of regarding the name of Jesus. But you decide, you know, it's just better if I don't say anything. You know, there's a tactful way to talk to people. In this world that we live in right now, I saw where there was some stewardesses for airline and somebody's trying to sue the airline because I guess the, the stewardess were making some private conversation, even though they had the uniform on. And they were making some private conversation and somebody didn't like what they were saying. And so they just decided you shouldn't talk like that. Now, look. If, if you're on your job. And you've got all of these legal things that say you can't talk about this, you shouldn't talk about that, you open us up to a lawsuit. You, you've got to think wisely about how you're going to respond if somebody asks you a question. Somebody asks you, what do you think about uh, this as it regards marriage? Or what do you think about that as it regards abortion? Or whatever it might be, at least be wise enough to say, you know, the only thing I can tell you is this. Our pastor preaches this. I believe what the pastor says. In our church, in our what we believe booklet or our doctrinal statement, here is what it says and this is what we hold to. Now you're citing something that's more authoritative than you, something that's external to who you are. So if they're going to get angry, they're going to have to get angry at what's going on in the church. You saw here a few months ago when Mr. Bernie Sanders was sitting up there on the bench and somebody was being interviewed for a job and he apparently was a Christian. And Mr. Sanders already knew the answers to the questions he was asking, but he was saying, are you one of those people that really believe that heaven is only for people that believe in Jesus? Now, Mr. Sanders already had the information because he knew what church the guy belonged to. He knew what the individual believed. And I sat there and I watched that man squirm. And he was nervous. And, and I understand from being interviewed on television that when that camera is on you, and there's a possibility of thousands of people watching you, you want to be very careful with what you're saying. You don't want to be careless with your words. But what he could have said was this. I do believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. And according to the scripture, he's the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible was written thousands of years before I ever got here. And if you have any problems with what's in that book, you need to look upwards because it was here long before you and I got here. And it'll be still the word of God after you and I are dead. That'd been the answer. See? 
Don't allow people to push you down where you have to look like you're denying God. Hold your faith strong and let people know what you believe. Don't betray the Lord. Don't deny the Lord. But here's where we'll, we'll hang our hat. There are some people who persevere in the faith so long as they don't have problems. Don't be that way. Paul had a co-worker named Demas. Scripture says Demas forsook Paul because he loved the present world and he went to Thessalonica. You know what that means? That means the allurements and, and pleasures of Thessalonica were more appealing and attractive to him than the trials and tribulations of evangelism. Preaching the gospel to people who may not want to hear it. Having a few nights where you may not have food. Having some rocks thrown at you. Demas said, Paul, I love you. But I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this. I'm leaving. He went to Thessalonica. As long as people can hold a rose without their hand or finger being pricked by a thorn, they're happy with that fragrance. They'll smell it all day long. But the moment the thorns on that stem begins to cut that finger, then they want to let that thing go. But I'm telling God, I never promised you a Christian life that would be without difficulty. If you want the bouquet of blessings that God makes available to you, you've got to be willing to grapple with everything that is attached to this relationship with the Rose of Sharon. So Christ submitted fully to his father's will, however painful it was. And although we have a lot of people that follow Jesus until it requires self-denial, our example through Christ should be to follow him no matter what. I will follow you to the end of the End of this, this life, Lord. So Jesus sacrificed. What is self-denial? Self-denial is to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I know what you want to do with your life. You may have an idea what you want to do with your future, but have you ever considered what Christ might want to do with your future? Have you ever stopped to pray that prayer, Lord? What, this, this next season of my life, I know what I want to do. But God, what would you want me to do that that's what we're talking about peter displays for us that anybody can manifest chinks in their armor even when they believe they're unconquerable that man thought he'd never go down oh me i'd never turn my back on the lord i've heard people say that if had it been me in the garden of eden i would have never fell for that fruit you would have failed faster than adam and eve did yeah but all of us, we're, we're not perfect. We have imperfections and faults and weaknesses and failures. And the devil is constantly working to manifest the chinks in your armor. But Paul still says, put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand and fight. So the final verse is Luke nine twenty six that says, If you are ashamed of Jesus before men, he'll be ashamed of you in the presence of the Heavenly Father. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So I hope and pray this week you don't allow someone to cause you to shrink back from what you believe. Somebody say to you, do you, do you know that, that preacher over there in Hebron and Red Cloud that preaches that really conservative God. I mean, I hear him on radio sometimes. I wonder how in the world can there be anybody on this planet still believe that stuff? You know, I've had some of the folks tell me before in some of the places in, in Red Cloud, 
They say, I've, I've heard that man on the radio or in different places, but it, it can't, surely it can't be black and white, just like he's saying. It cannot be just right and wrong, just like he's saying. But the moment you start putting all of that gray together, that's when it gets confusing, folks. If you don't know tonight what your gender is, you talk to me after service, I'll tell you. I'll clear that up for you. You, you. you won't have a problem at all. If you don't know what bathroom to use, I'll help you with that too. Let's stand. Betrayal and denial. This nation needs to maintain faith in God. Father, we're grateful this evening that we can look into the scripture to see what it says. We know you're the answer to everything. And when we consider the word, we know the word is pure. We know the word is clear. But God, we know we don't always understand as we should. So Father, forgive us for those times in our life where maybe we betrayed you or denied you in a setting with family or friends. Forgive us, Lord, those moments when our conversation denied who you were. Lord, it breaks our heart to know that we could grieve your spirit, bring some kind of displeasure to you. But Lord, we do thank you that you live in our hearts and you live through us every day. Help each one of us to be wonderful witnesses in our communities, on our jobs, in our family. Help us to stand steadfast for you. And Father, we thank you that your hand is upon us to favor us and to bless us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone say it. Amen, amen, amen.